the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is an unfading glory for those who believe because God has promised to get us to the other side. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Make no mistake about it, it's only in the power of God unleashed inside of us that will allow us to do the unbelievable. This was evidenced in the life of the Apostle Paul. As he went all around the known world preaching the gospel, starting churches, rebuking and defending the faith in the face of fierce opposition. Yet let's not forget who Paul really was. Listen, Paul described himself in 1 Corinthians 2.1. Listen to how he described himself. He says, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Look what God has done. I mean, he's planted churches all over the known world. He goes, look, this was all done because of the power of God. I'm just one man. How did all this happen? It wasn't based upon me and my weakness. It was based upon the power of God. Again, our adequacy, our ability to do beyond what we could ever imagine is from God. So let's look at our point, standing in his glory. Let's read what he says in 2 Corinthians 3, 7. He says, but if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones, talking about the Ten Commandments that God wrote with his finger, came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because the glory of his face was fading as it was. Remember, his face lit up like a light bulb. How how shall the ministry of the Holy Spirit fail to be even made more glory? Okay, with with more glory. For if the ministry of condemnation has, has glory, how much does that ministry of righteousness abound in glory? For indeed, what had glory in the case has no glory on the account of the glory surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory much more than that which remains is in glory. Now this is getting a little confusing with all these words, but just hang with me here. Verse 12, having therefore such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not as Moses who used to put 
a veil over his face so the sons of Israel might not look intently at the end of what was fading away, but in their minds were hardened for until this very day at the fading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. Now, you have to like read this like three times to, to really let it sink in what it's saying, but let's, let me explain it here real quick. Notice how Paul likens the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, to death in verse 7. And he likens it to condemnation in verse 9. Now, what is he saying is this simply, before the law was recorded by God, man didn't have a formal code to live by, right? I mean, like, how did you know what was right and what was wrong? It, It wasn't written down. Okay, so how did you know? You know, so the law was written by the finger of God on tablets of stone, only brought forth death. That's what it brought forth, death. Now you're thinking, well, what do you mean it brought forth death? What are you talking about? Because we are sinners. And the law, what the law does is it opens our eyes on who we really are. See, before it was all written down, you're like, oh, I'm a pretty good guy, now this. But now it's all written down. So the law is written. So now we can read the law, and then we compare the law, what God says to do, on how we actually live. Now, where does that leave us? Well, on some days, we're fine because we're doing good. But on other days, when we mess up all over the place, then all of a sudden it's like, well, now it's not good. Because what the law does is this. You're guilty. You're guilty. Oh, you're guilty here. Oh, you're guilty there because it's all written like, oh, I blew that one. Uh, ooh, I blew that one. So when you read the whole 613 laws, it's like, ah, not too good on that one. Not too good there. Not too good there. So when you get down to the end, you know, which couple hundred did you blow today? So again, that's what the law does. The law did not come to give us life. It came to condemn us. And that's what he points out there. That's the reality of it. The law shines as a bright light into our life and it points out every place we failed, every place that we have fallen short. It gives us the knowledge of right and wrong. And since we cannot satisfy the just demands of the law, we all stand condemned, which is a total bummer, right? That is until God came to the earth. He lived as a man. He was born as a little baby in a manger. Jesus was born in a manger to die for our sin one day. The sin of every single one of us. So our sin went upon his body as he willingly died on the cross. And because of that, we who have accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts as our Lord and Savior can now, get this, be completely freed from the law of sin and death. And that's what he's trying to point out there. This is why Paul refers to the glory on Moses' face as a fading glory in verse 7 and verse 13. He says, that glory that Moses had when his face was shining, it was fading away because it wasn't going to last. Now, what does that mean again? Now, to refresh your memory, if you go back to Exodus 34, 
Moses was up on Mount Sinai with God. He was receiving the second copy of the commandments of God. Remember the first copy he came down and all the children of Israel were running around naked having a you know party and he got all mad and he tossed the first two tablets of stone and they broke into pieces. And so anyway, there was a whole mess there. So he's up on the mountain of God. The second time around, God gives him another copy. So when he's up there, he asks God, I want to see you. Like, I want to see you. And God's like, well, you can't see me face to face. I mean, like you can't actually see my glory. You won't be able to handle it. But I'll tell you what, I'll go by and you can see my backside. So Moses got to see the backside of God. No one has seen God in his glory. Okay. So he got to see the backside of God, which no one else has been able to see. And when he saw that, his face just shined like a LED light, just bing, you know, he's just bright. And so when he came down and, you know, they didn't have mirrors and stuff back then. So, I mean, he's coming to the mountain. He probably doesn't realize that it's shining. And so, you know, like, oh my goodness, look at your face. It's like, so it's glowing. But what was happening was he saw that for a moment, his face was shining, but that that shine was going away. It was fading. So they put a veil over him so that people couldn't see just how much it was fading. That way, every time he took it off, it was still shining, but they kind of forgot that, you know, it was 100,000 watts before. Now it's only, you know, 10,000 watts, and now it's down to 5,000 watts. So they veiled him. So Moses had seen the backside of the Lord, and it caused his face to shine, you know. But again, it was losing its shine. Just like the old covenant was losing its shine. But we stand in a new covenant now. You and me have a new covenant. And it's an unfading glory. That's what he was saying. The new covenant is unfading. It will never fade away. It doesn't mean that we are to neglect the law of God. Absolutely not. Because how would we know what to do right and what to do wrong? How would we know what God likes and what he doesn't like? It's the law. So we need to know the law. We need to look at the law. We need to read the law. We need to understand the law. For that is God's standard for you and me to live by. God tells us to be holy even as he is holy. So what's the difference between law and grace? Well, it's pretty clear how it's spoken about in Romans chapter 1 at the beginning. Let me read it to you. It says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So before he's going to tell you the difference, the first thing he tells you, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, if you've asked Jesus in your life, I just want you to know right up front, there's no condemnation for you. How about that? I mean, it's just like, okay, we're going to explain this a little bit here, but before we say anything, there's no condemnation for you. How many times do you feel condemned about things? Not just from somebody else condemning you, not from just the devil telling you you're a dog, but just yourself. How many times you're like, oh, I'm just never going to make it. You know, I'm just so worthless. I told the Lord I'd never do that again. And I did it again. I'm just so worthless. It's like, I'm hopeless. Have you ever had that conversation with yourself? I've had it with me. But the Bible tells us if we're in Christ, no condemnation for you. So if you're the one that's always condemning you, stop that. Stop condemning yourself. Now, we expect Satan to condemn us. Oh, you call yourself a Christian? Oh, my goodness. How can you even go to church tonight? You know, it's like, look what you've done. Your life's a sham. It's like, listen, he's the accuser of the brethren. 
So we expect him to say things like that. But many times we'll say it to ourselves. Stop that enough already. It's like there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But he goes on in verse 2 and he says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Wow. He has set us free from the law of sin and death. It's like the law brings death to us because it just says you're guilty. It doesn't give us any way out. It just says, oh, here's what's right. And you didn't do it. You're guilty. But it's like he, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, set us free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3 of Romans 8 says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending his own son. See, the law couldn't save us. It just tells us when we're wrong. But God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Meaning, Jesus came, flesh and blood, just like you and me, offered himself up as a sacrifice for all of us. Wow. Crazy. Yes, there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. For we are a forgiven people. As we go into 2021, we are a forgiven people. And now we have direct access to the living God for immediate and instant forgiveness when we fumble and when we fail. Yet instead of us having a man like Moses that will stand in the gap for us, we have the God-man, Jesus Christ, that stands in the gap for you and for me. So when we mess up, we can go, oh, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry. Lord, please forgive me, and you are immediately forgiven. And that's not all that we have. We also have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in the very epicenter of our own hearts. Know this, Christian, the glory of the infinite God is an unfading glory. It's unfading. It will always be shining in us, on us, and around us as a believer. The glory of God is sealed in our very hearts by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Which brings up our final point, standing in his liberty. Let's read what he says in 2 Corinthians 3.15. He says, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, talking about the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, the first five books of the Bible. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart, talking about the Jews. Like, they can't see. If they're so locked in with the law, they can't see anything else. But whenever a man turns to the Lord and gives their life to Christ, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So what he's saying here is the veil that Paul refers to in verse 15 is a veil of unbelief that blinds us from seeing the truth. The old covenant through the Ten Commandments was never again meant to save anyone. It was only a means to reveal to us that we need a Savior. 
So the whole law is just there to prove that we need a Savior because we can't live by the law. We're just not good enough. We're always going to fall short. And God has always desired to be that Savior. That's why he said in Isaiah 43 that I am the only God, and I am the only Savior, and I am the only Redeemer, and I am coming to redeem you. Yes, even as God talked to Moses while giving the Ten Commandments, listen to how he described himself. So here he is given the law, knowing that none of us are going to be able to live by the law. But look how God described himself in Exodus 34, verse 6. Let me read it to you. It says, And the Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. This is Exodus. This is the second book of the Bible. This is how God is describing himself. He says, he goes on to say, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. See, so even all the people under the law, back in this time, God still was able to forgive and to love on them and to cleanse them of their sin And of course, they use animal sacrifice for the sacrifice and all that. But know this, God never changes. It was David who was living under the old covenant where he figured this out. That's why David had this intimate, personal relationship with God. When you read through the Psalms, you you see that. That's why when he sinned before God with Bathsheba, when he took another man's wife, slept with her, impregnated her, had her husband killed because he didn't know how to deal with the whole baby thing and had her husband taken out to the front line of the battle and had him killed. It's like, oh my goodness, what a dog. This was King David that did all this. But when he finally was busted before God, did God just strike him dead like he deserved to be struck dead? No, God forgave him. Why? Because David repented That's why when he wrote Psalm 51, he said this in verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God. Now, why did he want him to be gracious? Because because if he just followed the law, he deserved to die. He deserved to be stoned to death for committing adultery with this other man's wife, for having this other guy killed. He should have been stoned for that. It was a double stoning of the same guy. But he said, Be gracious to me, O God. I need your grace. Remember what God's grace is. Going into 2021. It's God's unmerited favor. We can't merit it. You know, and it's like everything we see that happens here in the United States and how we're raised, it's all, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's all about, you know, somehow we deserve it or whatever. Man, God's like, you don't deserve anything. That's what the law tells us. But God gives it to us anyway. And that's why David, in the Old Testament, under the law, what did he do? He fell on God's mercy. Even as God said back in Exodus 34, I am compassionate and gracious. David's like, okay, let me go for that. Okay, I'll go for some of that grace. So in Psalm 51, he says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. He says, blot out my transgressions. Blot them out. That word blot out in the Hebrew means erase them. Make them as if they never happened. I wonder if anything that you just messed up royally. I mean, like you did the bozo maneuver. You just, you got into things and you did things and oh my goodness. And that guilt is there. 
And that shame is there because you deserve to be feeling guilty and shameful because you did the wrong thing. You did something that was just wrong and you know it and it just haunts you. Well, you need to do what David did. You need to just get on your face before God. God, be compassionate to me because you said your loving kindness is is overwhelming and your, your compassion never ends. Lord, I need your grace in my life. And that's what God pours out to us. We are saved by grace, God's unmerited favor. Yes, that's what he did for us. We have the liberty now in our relationship with God. We're not doing good works to earn the righteousness of God. No, we are doing good works because God has already made us righteous. You just do the best you can as unto the Lord. And you say, God, I want to do this, not because I have to, but because I want to. Oh, God loves that. So you had all these religious people back in Jesus' day, and they were all just like, okay, you know, we're going to live by the law. We're not going to push the button on the elevator. Okay, they didn't have the button on the elevator, but they're like, no, don't do one little thing. Oh, you healed this poor woman that's been bent over like this all of her life because her spine is all messed up and some radical scoliosis or whatever it was. And Jesus says, be healed. And all of a sudden, she just goes, and all of a sudden, that woman's jumping up and down for joy. Oh, but they had a conniption fit. Yes, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, meaning in the actual temple itself, in between the outer court and the Holy of Holies, there was a veil. Now, some say that that veil was some three feet wide of material that separated going into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant would sit. And only a high priest could go in there once a year, you know, to make an offering for the people. And so what did God do? He took that veil. Now, whether it was a full three feet wide or not, I don't know, but it was a very thick veil and he ripped it from the top down, meaning God tore that veil from the top down saying, I'm done with this old covenant. It's over. I've got a new covenant for you that we're going to live by. So that veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross. He removed all the fences. He has revealed to us, you know, just mere men and women, the glory of the deepest secrets of God's heart. Amazing, but true. Now you and I can look into the face of God and we can know him. And he has so intimately made himself available to us through his word. We can have an unhindered relationship with God as we move forward in 2021. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.8, it says, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but you believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. We can have this. That's why, isn't it awesome, some of these worship songs? We got this incredible worship team, and we're just worshiping and praising him. We have the ability of doing that. And you know what? That's the thing that brings glory to God. I mean, trust me. We are not alone here in this worship service. When this worship team is up here playing and we're singing and the lights are low and it's like, you know, why don't we turn the lights off here? We want you focused 
on the Lord and worshiping him. And, you know, when I come up here on that last song and I'm standing over here worshiping, I'll, I'll glance out because, you know, sometimes I forget some of the words on the song. So I'm looking at that back screen because I'm getting the same words that you're getting here. But when I'm looking out, I'm, I'm looking at all of you just worshiping. See, because that's what we get to do now. We get to have this relationship with God. It's not about religiosity. It's about relationship. And that's what we have. Maybe something has hindered that glory. Maybe you've gone through life in your own adequacy. Or you and me, we have just this ability now and and this adequacy in Christ to be used by him in this world where tons of people are locked up in fear. And maybe something has been hindering you. Maybe you look at the world and, and see all the unrest and you see this, this hopelessness. But God wants us to crawl out of that hole and to say, look, I want to be used for the glory of God. Know this, there is an unfading glory for those who believe because God has promised to get us to the other side. We are going to get to heaven one day. We are going to stand in the presence of God. We are going to see him in his glory. We're going to see the seraphim flying around the whole throne of God, crying out, holy, 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 with tens of millions of angels singing, and who knows, a few billion people over the centuries that are there worshiping God. Yes, not only can we survive in this calloused world, but we can thrive in it. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.